Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got Ward, a Daily Planet Films podcast series where we expertly dissect and discuss Ward while those triumphant return to the world parahumans. I'm your host and heartless administrator, Matt Freeman, and this is my co-host and over-eager shitposter, Scott Daly. Woo! Ward! Excitement! Superpowers! Morals! Yeah, yeah. Why butts? Matt, we're back. We're back. It's been... I feel like it's been like four years almost since since we last got to talk about the world of parahumans. Like, can you can you imagine waiting four years between Worm and Ward? I mean, like, what would that do to a person just like stuck having to wait four years for that? But it was it was only a week. It's only a week. It's a long week. It's a long long wait. But we're here to talk about Ward must have been rough (laughs) oh is that how long that people had to i didn't i didn't know well that's it's awkward yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyway um as you said this is the podcast where you and i eagerly dive into wild bo's world of trauma guilt and alien-based death powers as we analyze and interpret this wonderful book this week on the podcast we begin to play catch-up to, to catch up to the current chapter that Ward is on. So we're going arc by arc right now until we catch up. And this time it is the, the prologue chapter, Glowworm. And Matt, this was really cool. Um, I, I quite enjoyed, uh, it's, it's all parahumans online style. So it's, we, we've had these chapters before, but never like an interlude or, a, a, an arc long version of this. And, um, it was fun to see to to be introduced to new characters via this thing this this whole thing is like one giant like setup like there's mystery there's not a lot of resolution to anything in this prologue which makes sense because it's a prologue um but uh, but it was it was fun it was fun to to dive in here yeah i'm a sucker for this kind of format honestly and and it, it does really lend itself to being a prologue because it's you kind of feel like I mean, there's only a point of view character in the sense that you're logged into someone's account and you're watching what they're doing. Yeah. But it also kind of feels like you're the one reading the Parahuman Online forums and you're catching up with the world as it stands now. Yeah. And that's that's kind of fun. You're you're poking your nose around. You're, (laughs) no, what what does this mean? What? Ah, that's interesting. What could that? What could that be? Right. Um, And which is exactly where you should be, I think. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk. We're going to get into uh, examples of where I think Wildbo uses this format to his advantage. Um, but one of the big ones I think is, is, is that there is a lot of mystery surrounding this. We don't know who these people are. Um, some of them could be old characters. Some of them could be brand new characters and we don't know. And this allows wild Bo to, um, keep that mystery going without having to like bend over backwards to do it. Um, one of the things I remember, and, and I love the epilogue of worm, but one of the things I remember about the last chapter of that is that, that wild Bo did not want to indicate that the teenager is Taylor at all. So he like specifically stayed away from gendered pronouns and he kind of had to bend over backwards to do it. 
and I know this because when a lot of the people, we don't know what gender they are. So like in all our writing on the script, we had to like bend over backwards to, to not, to not gender right. them. Um, and that's hard to do. And it's, it's a little clunky and looks a little weird. And doing this via this, this message board posts allows him to kind of skirt around that issue. And, and we're not seeing who these people are. We're not in anyone's head. There's nothing that we're seeing that could, could really lend any answers to who some of these people are and yet there's still clues mixed in as well yeah and and they manage at the same time to be fascinatingly compelling sort of generally different sorts of train wreck human beings <laughs> in a fascinating way yeah yeah um, so that's cool and that that makes you really excited to get into it absolutely um the, the one thing i left I, I it's funny we, we i read this for the live tweet and i thought I had would have a, a lot of things to say. And then as we went through our, our analysis, I couldn't believe how much there was to talk about here and how much was going on. And, and a lot of it is still a mystery to me. But there's it's so, this is a very dense prologue. It really is when you get down to it, when you dive into exactly what he's doing, exactly what's going on. It's really dense. And yeah. I was not expecting this episode to turn out as long as it's going to be, but I should have by now because it's us. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the one thing I left with this is that I am very excited to get into the story proper. Um, there, there's so much conflict set up here. So many characters new and, and presumably old um, that I am just, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I'm excited to start talking about this prologue and the techniques that are employed here but uh first i think we need to do some announcements some some table setting for the for the new show yeah because this is this is a new show and and we're kind of in this weird limbo right now because while we have moved on to the new show our show format is not really gonna change much um until we catch up so like for the next three weeks at least we're going to be doing full arc long coverage we're going to cover it in very much the same way because you've already read these chapters i am reading them for the first time so it's going to feel very if you're if you're you've listened to to we've got worm it's going to feel very similar to that we're not going to do a lot of that changing um until we catch up and then things are going to shift and change a little bit at that point so the next month or so you're probably going to experience the show about as it was before yeah, with with a few, I think, uh, changes that, that we'll get into right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think we you want to just take these one by one. Yeah. Um, so so Scott and I agreed. And I think a lot of people will be glad to hear that we're probably going to try to minimize the morality talk. Um, and, and by that, we mean, like, I, I think I think there was a certain uh, attractor state of the podcast, which was discussing taylor's actions in in in, in, a, in like in the light of morality and regardless of whether we were trying to do that i certainly think that it came off that way um and first of all there's no reason to assume right now that this story will have the same sort of themes and, right. and thus will will lend itself to the same sorts of conversations but also i think we've learned that that's probably not the best it's probably not our comparative advantage just to talk about morality. It's probably more to talk about literature and, and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and I think, I mean, as with anything, I think there are going to be moments when our personal feelings are going to slip in a little bit. Like if there's something that I personally think is disturbing or um, wrong, I might react in a way that indicates that, that that 
that is how I feel. Um, and, and I'm going to try really hard not to do that, but it's going to happen. But I think like, like with what we tried to do, especially near the end of, of worm, we are really trying our best to just analyze the text and report what we think it's saying, what we think it wants you to feel about these events. So even if, even if they're, you can, you can, your moral compass, your, your, the morality system that you subscribe to says that XYZ is fine because of a, a whole bunch of reasons. Is that, is the text agreeing with you? Is the text saying that? Is Wildbow trying to communicate that or, or is he, or is he asking you to want to, to, to question that a little bit and think a little bit about that? And, and that's really what we're going to try to do. Um, there's, we, we, like when we make statements on this podcast, we are, always projecting our opinion like it, when i say wild bow is trying to say this i'm saying my interpretation of the text says wild bow is trying to say this i am not declaring that a definitive statement like it's impossible to know specifically what he wanted to say by that unless it comes right from the author himself but we are we are analyzing we are studying and we are making educated opinions about what we think the work is trying to say yeah of course and and it can't be anything other than that and right and- I think it, it may be hard to keep that in mind, but that's it certainly becomes tiresome for us to preface everything we say with "in my opinion." Yeah, so, we're not um, we're not going to do that. Like it's it's just no. <laughs> it's, it's it's unreasonable to have to say "in my opinion" every time. So here, the first episode of the show, everything I say here is in my, in my opinion. Yes, not me though. Everything I say is true. Oh well, there we go. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. So moving on. Uh, yeah. And, and we talked about this before, but the, the due, due to the slower pace that we're going to be covering this, this story, we're going to be able to focus more on the words themselves, um, and, and sentences and more, more minute level character, things like that. Um, so, so j- just, you know, the worm is so incredibly long and, and the amount of text we were trying to cover was so incredibly large that, it actually kind of disappointed us how few times we actually got to dive into the actual issues of, of word choice and, and uh, sentence structure in, in worm. So we're going to yeah. try to, to push in this direction on yeah. this show. I love talking about those things. I think people generally like hearing them. So I think it's not just, I think it's not just what we think the text is saying. It's how the text is saying it. And that's what we're mm-hmm. going to try to, to focus more on. Yeah. And, and I'm really, really interested in that actually. Cause, cause I feel like you can learn a lot about writing that way. So, yeah. All right. Uh, next we're going to be keeping speculations to a minimum. So, so unfortunately I think there's probably not going to be a big Scott speculation <laughs> section. No, because no. first of all, it would be Scott and Matt speculation. No, <laughs> That's um, a, there's no alliteration there. It's not as fun. No, it doesn't work anymore. Um, and, and also just it would, it, it, it it kind of it would alter the reading experience, I think, for people to be reading the story along with listening to some people analyze and speculate about it. Like analyzing it, I think, would be fine, but speculating about it, and especially if you use your thinker power and you like nail all the all the major reveals ahead of time, <laughs> it's it that will only detract from the story, and neither of us have any interest in doing that. So yeah, and I think you you added a good point here that that it's not just us, right? This is, we're trying to make this a little bit more interactive than we have the, the worm show. So we've got the entire community sitting on this information and analyzing it. And, and I, I don't want to be the, the, the broadcast voice of all this 
crowdsource analysis that could just predict every single thing that's going to happen. Um, I think there's, there's a certain part of that that's fun to do and I get that, but that's not, that's not what we want this to be. We don't, we don't yeah. want to spoil your reading experience. We want to enhance it. We want you, we can point out when something is a setup, but we think something's a setup, but we don't need to go out and speculate two chapters, five chapters, a hundred chapters down the road and think what, what that payoff is going to be. We can just say, this appears to be that something that's setting up something and let's, let's leave it at that. And then we can go back if that pays off in a way and then go back and look and say, look, yeah, this is when this was set up here. This is how he did it. That's all interesting stuff. But yeah, yeah. Guessing what's going to happen next chapter, next arc is not something we really, really want to focus on. Yeah. And, and for my part, I'm certainly going to be in those Reddit threads ruining my own reading experience by, <laughs> by reading all those theories. But, but no, I, I don't feel any compulsion to, to bring that over into this podcast. Yeah. That's a very personal choice that I think each and every reader has to make for themselves. And I don't want us to be making, I don't want to, if you want to listen to this podcast to hear an analysis that you also have to deal with possibly being spoiled on something. Like I don't, I don't want people to have to make that trade off. So we're just not going to, we're just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, uh, on this show, we're going to be interacting with the audience more. Uh, yeah. In, in the previous show, you know, I was the worm expert, uh, having read the story and, and been familiar with the fandom and Scott was, was the virgin. And now, you know, we're all going to be on the same playing field. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to be bringing the listeners into it more and, have uh, more more feedback and, and comment section response uh, be part of the show. I think part of the normal show, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. we have we're, like we're all we're on the level and we're all bringing the same amount of knowledge relatively into it after each week. So there's opportunity to have those conversations more. Um, there's for both of us to be more involved with the community. Like I was very standoffish from the community kind of by design until I finished the book because I didn't want to spoil myself. I got into our thread and that was about it. And, um, I, I, this is an opportunity to really, to really be, be part of that and make this a, a community experience show. And that's kind of what we envision it as. So yeah, those are the goals. Yeah, awesome. All right. And that, with that, without any further ado, let's get down into it. So, Beginning prologue, glowworm, zero dot one, and we are viewing the account of user point me at the sky, who logs in and reads the welcome back thread, and I just have to read this little excerpt here uh, from the from the welcome back thread. Things will be clunky and frustrating. We will be moderating very carefully to ensure nobody disrupts anybody's ability to access the site. It will be painful. Help each other, be patient, and contribute the best you can. In so many ways, things will be frustrating, slow, and painful. Care, helpfulness, patience, and contribution will make literal worlds of difference in so many ways. But we're back. Stay tuned for bigger, better things. Bear with us as we sort through it all. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad you had the same reaction to this that I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean Wildbo talking directly to his audience? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that reaction? Yeah. Um, this is this is really great. And, and like... It's it's different for me because I'm jumping into this thing literally a week after I finished the last one. But for a lot of people out there, it's been four years um, since since you've entered this world again. So, um, like, 
the pe- their people have been waiting have been waiting this for this for a very very long time and and this this opening salvo in this prologue is like talking directly at them and it's great and and it's great in the exact way that that I love Wildbo's writing sometimes in that this thing is operating on both the textual and the metatextual level like w- within the world this is kind of setting the stage for a lot of our themes and our discussions and and the 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 conflict that's going to be around this story or at least at least this prologue um guessing the rest of the story but we see that things are are kind of slowly and painfully returning to maybe like an equilibrium right before things uh, clearly are going to go bad um we get our first big hints at, at at one of the big themes of the prologue mostly that this theme is mostly echoed by that group uh, that group of chat room team that we we spend a lot of time with over these few chapters the the idea that it will be painful help each other be patient and contribute the best you can um we're in this this post end of world now and and helping each other working together like a thing that was so important to taylor during the course of worm is almost now more important in the world of ward like people banding together and working together because the the world is limping along at this point and and people need each other a lot right now um mm-hmm. and so that's a, gr- a great way of defining that but then yeah it, it's it, it's on that that metatextual level wildbo is talking about ward itself um it's it's a he, it's a celebration of this world being back it's a thank you to those people who worked really hard on the back end that set all this stuff up for him it, it's to, to get everything up and running and and it's an ask to all the readers out there it's an ask to people to be patient to contribute to bear with us because this is going to be different, but bigger and better things are coming. And that's just a great way to start this thing off. Yeah, I, I completely agree with every bit of that. Um, I, I love that. Uh, I, I think, was this user, uh, Hope in Pithos, was that the one who posted it? It was something like that. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, just, I recognized the. I think Pithos just reminded me of like one of the dragon suits. I was wondering if this was like dragon or something but I, I don't know oh yeah that could, um, i didn't even think about that i forgot about that suit's name i i am now convinced that that is true because yeah i mean it would make it would very much make sense for dragon to be the one spearheading all this tech stuff yeah I, that's that's the kind of thing where there's a lot of stuff like that littered in the, in the in the prologues where you're like well that could be and then sometimes it's proven to be that and yeah. then sometimes you're just like okay well maybe we'll find out later yeah so yeah so uh, yeah, so we learned that pointing at the sky has access to the portal back into Bet, and and basically a picture of the situation shapes up. This is year one, and I think it's been around two years since Gold Morning now. Pointing at the sky offers to run errands for people through the portal, and this actually triggers an argument uh, when when this user reveals that they are interested in cape stuff. Uh, revealing a deep undercurrent of anger at capes in the community. Yeah, and I, and again, I think like we loved talking about on Worm, the first chapter sets up a lot of the themes of the next section of the book, and and we're seeing some of the main conflicts and those and the themes around them start to develop a little bit here. Um, th- there's this push and pull between the desire to start over from scratch, to forgive and forget, versus. All this leftover pent up anger, confusion, a little guilt. And we get to see a lot of that in this quick interaction. We've seen like that they've relabeled it year one, which is a very clear indication of we want to start fresh. This is year one. This is the beginning. Um, and, 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 you know, we know about the amnesty for capes that went on through the epilogue of worm. That again shows that this strong desire to move past 
the the past and embrace a different looking future. But on the other hand, you have this user Bodhi Five kind of representing those that aren't quite ready for that forgive and forget. People are angry, people are confused. And we learn a little bit later that while everyone knows that Scion was responsible for the end of the world, how he was defeated remains a mystery amongst the the normal people of of the world. And so there's this there's this secret, these lies, this this dishonesty that that is frustrating people. Um so yeah. these are these are pretty heavy heavy themes going on here just right at the beginning. Yeah, and this this prologue is absolutely bookended by these concepts. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously get there when we get to the last chapter of the prologue, yeah. but this idea of people having trouble with forgive and forget, people being angry, confused, and to some degree perhaps guilty, um, and, uh, and and like you said, wanting to understand more about what happened and being denied these are all things that also happened in the last chapter. Yep. yep. Uh, so that's, <laughs> and that's and throughout too. Um, yeah. Not not as I think it's it's less subtle in these two chapters because they are the bookends of the arc. But yeah, the, these are currents that go throughout every single one of these chapters. I think. Yeah. So yeah, and, and as we're going, we're picking up on some of the characterization for pointing at the sky. Uh, they have a keep in civilian clothing account, and they are very defensive of capes. I'm just gonna say hmm here. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. So next is a lengthy excerpt of a news article about the forced evacuation of Bet, which apparently Bet is basically uninhabitable. So yeah. everyone is is being forced into other worlds, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a just because we can't help ourselves, we've got <laughs> these two users named Knack Yak and Kill Destroy Kiss, and uh, and I think there's a there's some speculation perhaps that these are. Uh, uh, allusions to our good friend Kayakan and Murder Death Hug uh, from uh, from the forums. So, yeah. so <laughs> I don't know. I, speculations seems a little mild. It's it's pretty obvious. Yeah, um, yeah, that's really cool. And and I know this was something that I think Wildbow did in the Parahumans chapters back in Worm, but I think we're bringing it up now because like I am kind of part of this community now so i recognize these names and i can be like hey i know those people um so that's that's cool i think it's cool that he does that i think it's you know one of the things we really wanted to do once we're following this thing live is talk about the advantages of the serialized nature of the story and i think audience interaction pulling your audience as as part of the story is one of those things and that's really cool to see and congratulations to those guys that's that's awesome yeah it really is um, so yeah, we, we have this, <laughs> this small quote I just wanted to pull out. Um, a big part of what was being talked about in other similar articles was the threat of bandits, bad weather, the wasteland and chasms, unspot- unstoppable robot armies and food shortages. Um, yeah. <laughs> unstoppable <laughs> robot or- armies. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so basically, yeah, it's people, people are just having trouble with, with this idea of right. um, of of not being able to go back to bet, and, and there's more of this anti-cape stuff. This uh, this other user saying we made a covenant with the capes, and basically the capes let us down, and like l- let's not make the mistake of putting our confidence in, in the capes again. Um, you know, we and especially because and basically we're starting to get some of this background that we have this new you know the PRT is gone, and now we have some other groups that are not the PRT that are not interested in communicating 
with the public in the same way that are not interested in having uh, civilian non-CAPE oversight the same way the PRT d- does. And this is making the, the uh, normals kind of worried. Yeah. And I think one of the, the great things about presenting arguments in books that I think a good writer does is frame both sides of the arguments um, equally well. And I think as much as I like, we understand the capes better than most of the people in this world do because we've been in their heads and we've seen the things that they've gone through. But to a certain extent, you kind of understand this argument that the why normal human beings would be pretty terrified right now. Like the PRT was notoriously corrupt. Capes now have a stranglehold on power and there's no established government to hold them in check anymore. And even if, even if that established government rule was just like a, a fixture head like actually had no power to hold them in check actually it still felt like it existed and that's all gone now so like you understand why people are are scared and and the the fear here is that this anti-cape resentment gets gets strong enough gets loud enough that it spills over into violence and and persecution and that just spirals into something bad and it's we're kind of laying the floor of that the possibility of that happening here yeah, I mean, again, we we don't really know what the world looks like right now, but not not much time has passed. And and in our epilogues, we had that uh, uh, Nemo or Nero. Yeah, it was Nero. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> did you do with, that on purpose? I I sure I did. <laughs> um, and and you know, if if it's anything like that, then you can easily understand people getting fed up with capes. Yeah. Right. And, and the fear here is, is almost not just that the capes themselves become persecuted, but that some of the, um, less upstanding capes get afraid enough that this is going to happen, that they strike first. And then that just, that goes bad real quick. Yeah. This seems like we're setting up a bit of a powder keg situation. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. It's wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, point me at this guy gets at into another verbal scuffle in the comments of this article and has a side conversation with their friend Glitzclam. Glitzclam is reminding point me at this guy not to get too agitated because someone is wrong on the internet. Yeah, I need someone to like design a Chrome add-on that every time I click reply on a Reddit thread, just have Glitzclam pop up and say, "Um, Scott, maybe, maybe just calm down. <laughs> you don't need yeah. to have this argument." Maybe. Yeah, well, get a little automated bot that'll do that for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So also, it's revealed that Point Me at the Sky is waiting for a letter or an email of some importance and that there's going to be some big important get-together happening in the near future also. Yeah, little, little crumbs, little crumbs of, of information on this person um, that we don't really understand yet. Yeah, and then this ends with, you have three unread private messages from an anonymous account. Click here to read. And I believe, Matt, um, this is, this is specifically the anonymous messages that, that, uh, point me at this guy gets in the last chapter, right? That's what kind of I, what this is alluding to. I think you're right. Yeah. Although I, I don't think I made that connection until I did this reread, but yeah, I yeah. think that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, this is absolutely a tease. <laughs> yeah. I think we could name the whole prologue O-U-T's. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's I just, agree. just what it is. But just having had that little taste of point me at the sky, we now move into the second uh, prologue. Uh, now we're logged in as Capricorn. And Capricorn is visiting a special board, a team board for a team called Reach. A post by someone called Moonsong serves as a kind of epitaph to the team. 
Cap logs into the chat room and talks to Moonsong one-on-one. There's obviously history here. They know each other and each other's families, and Moonsong calls Cap Tristan. And there's a certain there's a certain tension that's present though from the beginning. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it we're going to get into this. I think in a bit, but creating that tension via just text messages to each other is pretty tough to do. But I think Wildbud does a great a great job of it. I think Cap laughs as soon as Moonsong says anything to him, and then there's that phrase, "I'm glad you're alive too." Believe it or not, um, just these these little bits, these little extra nuggets that that make it clear that these people are not comfortable talking to each other, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to flash forward to the moment where um, um, heart-shaped pupil uh, tells Mangled Wings that while Mangled Wings can't pull off being intimidating in a chat room uh, venue, Capricorn can somehow. And I think I agree because he has that, I, I just think of it as passive aggressiveness. He has this passive aggressiveness that's so, um, it's like so much anger under the surface, you know? Yeah. Well, sometimes he does. Yeah. I mean, when he's dealing with Moonsong, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes when he's dealing with Moonsong. Sometimes when he's dealing with Moonsong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so we learn a bit more about this status quo. The Wardens, which I think was the name of the new group headed by Chevalier in the prologues. Yeah. Uh, they're the largest hero group. The truce is still in effect, but things are strained. Cap guesses that masterminds and thinkers and chess masters are making headway behind the scenes. Yeah. At a certain point in the conversation, though, the civility cracks. Moonsong goes so far as to say that they had hoped Tristan was dead. Later, Moonsong asks if she needs to come after him. Yeah, and again, um, this reflects back to that theme of uh, forgive and forget from the past, of uh, the it seems like we're discussing past grievances a lot that this 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 general conflict between one person wanting to move on and starting fresh and then someone else still being tangled up in these old hurts these old uh, wrongs that have been done to you and we see that a lot here like like you were always mean to furcate is is what what cap accuses moonsong of be like you're just like your father's da- daughter and there, there's a lot of animosity here um about things that happened in the past and it's illustrating that con that push and pull conflict about moving on or stay or living in the past um again and again yeah and they basically agree in the end like the only way we're going to move on is if we have no contact with each other basically that's what it seems like although that's not what happens within this within this very chapter yeah um yeah so and uh, we kind of kind of already hit on this but i I do want to talk for two hours here about the characterization through character voices Moonsong comes off as calm and collected and give like we get a sense that they're probably in the right about all this, uh, even though they are threatening Cap's life. Yeah. Uh, whereas Cap comes off as extremely passive aggressive, like I said, and and unlikable. And, um, and basically, you learn a lot about who these people are just from how they're typing their Internet chat messages, which I think is super super cool yeah it's hard it's hard to do um and i think i i always remember when we first got to the interlude where we were in the mindset of brutus the dog and Uh we talked about how this felt like wild bow just setting something up to challenge himself like i'm gonna tell this chapter from the perspective of a dog because this will be harder to do 
And I think I think we're seeing a little bit of that here, that this is a challenge because we're introducing so many new characters. And again, yes, some of them we might know. Some of them might be people we already know. I suspect some of them aren't. I suspect at least one of these guys, possibly both of these two people here, are just people that we've never met before. And so so characterizing them is, is important. We have to, we don't know who they are. We have to understand who these people are and doing that solely through not just dialogue, but through dialogue they choose to post on the internet, which is like who you are on the internet is not really who you are in real life. So we have like, I feel like he has to show first of all, like the person that they're, they're projecting, but also give hints at the real person underneath that projection, um, to, to get a sense of who the character is. And I think we're going to meet a character next chapter who I think exemplifies this almost perfectly. But it, it is amazing how much just via this little interaction, this little back and forth conversation, we we kind of get the feeling of who these characters are. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to see more and more of that going forward. But yeah, that, that I figured this this is one of the first times that the we get the opportunity. So yeah, point that out here. And I just love the way this ends with uh, Moonsong. Tristan, Cap, yeah, Moonsong. When I said I was wrong in how I handled things, I wonder every day if I should have gone further and killed you. Cap, lovely. You had to spoil it. Cap is disconnected. Um, I just <laughs> just love that so much. Yeah, it's great. It's great because like I remember he, he like does dash, 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 and it's like nobody yeah. scroll up past here. From now on, all this is just me saying good stuff. And he's like giving his like uh-huh. soliloquy about his teammates and then Moonsong's just got to come in and twist the knife one last time um yeah. It, it, yeah like we're not really sure who's in the right here because it does definitely seem like cap is kind of a passive aggressive prick as you said but it also seems like Moonsong, like they just can't they just can't not push you know yeah yeah right i mean Moonsong is a cape too so they're gonna have some issues with people right, right. yeah it, yeah i mean and it's interesting i actually thought for a while like this could all be misdirection even like moonsong could be a, a horrible horrible person who just ha- has such a level of self-justification that in their mind they they did no wrong and capped everything wrong but i mean this it, it's just interesting that it kind of puts you in that frame of, of wondering those those types of things yeah because we we can't see intent we can't we we're not in anyone's head and beyond that we there's no body language to read there's no facial expressions to read there's no narration here so we just have to rely on just the words and words can be very misleading when they're just conversations between people yeah it's true you can make yourself look really good if you can pick every word carefully so yeah so later somebody with a username containing inky which I'm sure is just coincidentally the mythological antecedent of Capricorn. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And innocently contacts a memorabilia dealer. The dealer offers tiers of insurance, which sounds suspiciously like tiers of mercenary violence, up to in- and including performing a hit on someone. But I'm sure that can't be what this is. <laughs> Inky wants to go forward with things, showing interest in the highest tier of insurance, and uh, then Inky sends a picture of the insurance target. And the uh, assassin, I mean, uh, uh, insurance agent, answers, perfect. No, wait, you got the instructions very wrong, kid. And then Inky says, it's fine. Uh, and then the, the guy says, you're sure there's something deeply wrong with this? So this was one of those things that spawned a 500 comment Reddit thread. Um, 
but it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool it's pretty fun to think about and wonder what the hell's going on here yeah yeah i have my guesses but it, it's it's so funny because the first time i read this my brain didn't make the actually the mercenary connection and i was just like why are we talking about action figures this is weird <laughs> and then of course on my second read through i was like oh yeah that's uh yeah that's duh duh scott yeah i took a couple of iterations of like well i don't want to just take the simplest explanation that it's <laughs> that it's an assassin or, or something and, and i was like well maybe it's maybe it's literally like a cape protection like like bodyguard thing and they're they're obliquely pretending they're talking about protecting action figures but actually they're going to protect but no it's like he he slips out of his idiom enough for it to be clear that he's talking about about merkin people so, yeah yeah um yeah so capricorn logs back into the reach chat room and says hi to moonsong again their attitude is back to being chill uh they call him boo and uh tristan even admits to having talked to a certain kind of professional and he asks her not to come after him yeah, so this uh, this drove me very crazy um, for a very long time. I think I read like the two different conversations over and over again, like ten times, um, because like this this is both people acting completely different. It's not just Capricorn acting different. It's ju- not just Moonsong acting different. It's both of these people um, acting completely different like we talked that as soon as they talked to each other in their first conversation that there was tension there like as soon as it happened there was tension there's not any tension here it's like hi moo hi boo um and it even seems like like the the one other guy that's in the chat room um who i can't remember the name of right now uh there's like tribute i think is in the chat someone we it doesn't matter there's someone in the chat they sees capricorn log in and says oh no and then instead of escalating which moonsong clearly did last time she, she takes things down she's like dispels it it's like fine it's fine it's fine um yeah and this is so so different um and i sat with this forever because it was driving me crazy and then i remembered what capricorn was the i remembered what the astrology symbol for capricorn was the what the, what the the god that this represented was which is that that fish goat hybrid thing so i was like well you have a person acting in two seemingly entirely separate ways and so i'm like maybe this is someone who like their shard takes over their personality that's part of their power or something like the so the dickish version is his shard taking over uh the real person is the good side I, I don't know and then so i thought about this for way too long matt and then i remembered that we're on a message board and it could literally just be two people like logging into the same account and so i was just like did i just waste my time doing this whole thing and the answer is still i don't i don't i don't know yeah i don't know scott i mean to if, if if you did waste your time on it then hundreds of other people did and read it too so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this was definitely one of those fun fun puzzles i think yeah all right next chapter we are logged in as mangled wings and the stuff they're reading makes it real clear they are interested in villains specifically articles about really really terrible villains who are being given amnesty and how people aren't too happy about it yeah we, we even get a disconcerting article showcasing some of Rachel's victims and how unfair it is that she's been given amnesty. Hey, fuck you article. Fuck you. It does. It does make you have some weird feelings because as, as Rachel is portrayed in this article, you're like, huh, 
I almost feel like I got kind of a sugar-coated impression of Rachel. From, well, yeah, I mean, from like, story. again, we were in Taylor's point of view yeah. for most of that story. So we saw yeah. Taylor – or we saw Rachel as Taylor saw Rachel. We did not see all the people she maimed and hurt and and over and over again in the defense of her territory. Like, we got – the story kind of paid lip service to it that, like, hey, anytime someone goes into Rachel's territory, like, she drives them out violently not just capes anyone any people and like we pay lip service to it and it's kind of just like hey maybe don't maybe don't do that anymore but we i don't think we ever really stopped to think about the 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 full implications of that and how there are people left hurt because of her yeah so it's like i reacted very viscerally to this because i love rachel so much but like anything in this this pre this uh this uh prologue there's some good points are made yeah, yeah, it, it was an interesting. Uh, I, I didn't expect to be made to feel things at this point, um, yeah. but I definitely was like, "Oh, I see what we're doing here. We're you're, you're messing with me." All right, so yeah, the upshot is that even people who aren't necessarily anti-cape can be anti-amnesty. Some people want the villains punished or at least you know exiled to bet perhaps. Yeah, and again, we get that obsession with the past, right? That un- unable to move beyond it. And, and I like the Wild Boy here is kind of slowly ramping up the complications. Like we've got refugees, we've got rampaging robots, we've got anger, we've got anti-cape sentiment, we've got anti-amnesty sentiment, and it's complicated. The world is complicated again. There's no, there's no simple black and white to all these issues, and there's just a lot of anger. And yeah, what, that's not good. Well, I know. One thing that struck me about all this is like in Worm – Things were like rolling downhill and you had the end bringers pushing things downhill. But you could sort of delude yourself and be like, no, 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 no. This is a superhero story. The good guys are going to get their shit together and and reform a strong PRT. And they're going to they're going to they're going to beat the bad guys and it's all going to be good. And and here you can't even delude yourself. Like from what you're given in this prologue, you're like, oh, my God. Things are just completely out of control and and like the, the only possible thing I can see happening is bad. Right. Like, and and it's it's almost to the point where like the only reason bad stuff hasn't happened yet is just because there hasn't been enough time passed yet. Like like it, it's, yeah. it's it's the the truce, the peace that's been over the place is literally just because and I think Mangled Winds Wings kind of uh, exemplifies this here in a bit that people just people aren't going to act they're not going to make their move until they're from a position of power and and it just takes time to recuperate from the events of the last book so they're just off on their own building that power so there is no doubt in anyone's mind reader or person in the world that this is going to boil over it's just a matter of time yeah and that hopelessness is like shit shit there's there's not much we can do yeah right nobody's offering solutions here Yep, just a lot of anger. Yep. And here we have fan favorite Malek who's in points out that if you did try to punish or exile the villains, this would only lead to fighting and it, things would just get worse. Yep. Yep, and he's right. So uh so you guys memed the fuck out of this thing, huh? <laughs> yeah, <I> think, <laughs> this is the feeling I get. Yeah, the fans killed Malek. Yeah. Um but Malek is right here, Matt. Um, I mean, 
the amnesty, like the idea of the amnesty in the first place was not because the good guys wanted everyone to come together and hold hands and sing Kumbaya and forget about the past. It was given because the good guys didn't actually have the power to stop the bad guys at this moment. Like if we don't give them amnesty, then we don't have an excuse for why we're not trying to stop them. And, right. and so like, it was just, it was literally just meant to avoid and postpone conflict. And na- like, we're getting to a point where like, even, even if you try to wrangle that in and change your mind about it, it's like, it's, it's too late. Like, and, and I'm not saying like, I, I think that there are, there are probably amnestied capes. I know that there are that, that probably should be back in jail, but who's going to do it? How? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got that very clear example in the epilogues of the Fairy Queen, who's a you know extremely dangerous murderer and essentially crazy person. And the hero is basically saying, "Look, we're either gonna we're either gonna put her on our side and take the risk and and look the other way, or we're gonna like who, who do you want to be the one who tries to you know kill her basically? Yeah, you know, be my guest. Um, yeah, so." It's a, it's a, it's a dangerous status quo. Yeah. So Mangled Wings posts in this thread and we see some of their philosophy and it's a very utilitarian, uh, in the, in the other sense of the word, not the one we usually use on this podcast, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sort of mentality. Basically they're saying, you know, avoid the villains. Villains are dangerous. Just gather power for yourself and crush foes when you can. And, uh, Mangled Wings is also very profane and, and confrontational. Yeah, but the two, it's, it feels kind of forced. And I love that we learn more about this later, but this is again, all we really have to go off as far as their characterization. We, we, we really have no idea who this person is. I actually have no good guess at all. Uh, From everything we see in the the prologue, it seems that this might be a person that we've met before, maybe. Um, and, and again, they're just posting their life philosophy out there on the internet. So, um, how much of this is what they want to believe and how much of this is what they actually believe? How much is posturing? How much is real? And, and we see them kind of go out of their way to project a certain kind of personality, the way they want to be perceived. And that's very interesting. It is very interesting. And also they basically fall flat on their face in doing that because yeah. they, they, they're not aware of how they're coming off. Um, like, like they, and and this is this is pointed out to them later that they don't re- they're not really coming across the way they think they are because it doesn't work that way on the internet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to read this this segment where where this person lays out their philosophy. There are three kinds of villains: villains at rest that don't, don't do anything unless bothered, and they may be easy to bother. Don't bother them unless you're sure you're stronger than them. There are villains in motion; they want something or they're going somewhere. Don't get in their way unless you're a lot stronger than them. Catch them from the flanks or from behind if you're strong and clever enough. And then a bit later, the third kind is the kind worth paying attention to, and they're the ones that are changing or that can change. Objects in motion stay in motion, and objects at rest stay at rest. And the times and situations to watch out for are when they change dates. Yeah, I'm curious what your opinion on this whole philosophy is, um, and her their larger philosophy in general. Um, it seems to kind of echo what we were talking about before with the amnesty a little bit, like the idea that if you don't have power to stop bad people, don't even bother. (laughs) And, and and this made me kind of for a bit think this cursed person could be Sophia because it seems to kind of echo the predator prey 
thing that she was obsessed with, but it's not it's not exactly that. I think even Sophia has more self awareness than yeah. I think you're right. What's being depicted here? Um, yeah, in terms of the philosophy, I, I think this person takes all these ideas very seriously and may even know what they're talking about. But it's funny that like their degree of self seriousness almost undermines them. If that makes sense, right? Yeah, it's it's it comes off as silly, and I think even in my um, my my live tweet, I called them stupid. And I don't think that was fair because I don't think this person's stupid. I just think they don't know how they're perceived. And I think that's very reminiscent of, of Taylor, right? That they, they, they don't have a window into how the things they say are perceived to people. And that's Yeah, I mean, I think l- later it's mentioned that this is like the first day that they have a computer, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Which it's like, yeah, I mean, it's taken us, you know, decades essentially to 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 get as you know modern understanding of how to control your internet persona basically yeah posting Uh, on message boards matt is an art form it absolutely is it's an art form um somebody in 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 a a later post uh posts a valkyrie interview and they're asking i can't make any sense of this who's this valkyrie person Furthermore, who's this Green Maiden character? Oh, it's just Matt. It's just someone from the past. It's not. It's not important at all. Yeah, past is not important. <laughs> Mangled Wings admits that they're a villain, and basically, you know, they they identify as a villain, which is a a bit of a, a questionable thing to do at this point in time. Um, and you know, the, they must be dormant, or else they would run afoul of the amnesty. So it's weird that they would admit to that in public. Yeah, yeah. This I think this what this does for us though is give us another perspective of that looming violence we've been talking about that feels just around the corner. Like I think we've gotten indications here and we'll get it again that they're for the first time ever (laughs) more heroes than villains, more people calling themselves heroes than villains. But how much of that is real change and how much of that is just villains biding their time until they've amassed enough power or see an opportunity. Um, And, and if, if other people share this person's philosophy that that we we're not going to make a move until we're powerful enough to ensure we can win. Um, it basically means everything's fucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we're already quite familiar with the theme of uh, people who call themselves heroes not acting heroically, right. and people people who call themselves villains essentially really just being people who are willing to do what needs to be done to protect people, um, and ultimately. I, I agree with you that I would suspect that a lot of these hero teams are opportunistically hero teams. Right. And seems likely. And and this I think this gives you a certain level of respect for Mangled Wings because at least they're being honest with themselves. Um, I am a villain. That's who I am. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm I'm going to do my thing. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm something I'm not. There's there's a certain amount of respect to that while they're also clearly pretending to be something that, that, that they're not to a certain extent in the way that they post. I like that. Yeah, I think uh, I think Panacea's father, I forget his name. Uh, I think he would uh, approve of that of that sentiment of, of knowing who you are and, and, you know, embracing the monstrous nature. Yeah. 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 Forget his name, though. Uh, so point. Know. Yeah. So point me point me. The sky witnesses this. Uh, this admission of being a villain and reaches out to Mangled Wings. 
Mangled Wings contacts them via via private message, and they have a conversation where Point Me at the Sky walks them through the process of account verification. Uh, there's a bit of surprise as um, uh, basically it's implied that Mangled Wings is is already in costume or doesn't need a costume. It's ambiguous, yeah. which I guess. Yeah. I I read it as the latter. I read it as no, I'm not in costume, but I don't care. Like I don't like just like mm-hmm. their willingness to be upfront with their hero villain identity, their willingness to be upfront as their true identity identity is immaterial to them. I think I read it that way too, yeah. Um and Mangled Wing says, I don't fly under the radar. I know what I am and I know what I'll be if I don't die first. Thank you for your help. I respect this more than I respect the more self-pitying of the invertebrates out there. <laughs> Point me at the sky. This is why just... no one takes you seriously. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm unfortunately afflicted with the desire to help people. So I, I like this because this is a, a great contrast where you have this one character calling people invertebrates and then their interlocutor, I've never said that word out loud, uh, basically admitting that they're a hero. You know, like I... I have to help people. Sorry, I'm, I'm the opposite of you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's cool. And it's cool because, yeah, we, we've gotten in this chapter now. We've got our clear villain and and what is appears to be a clear hero. And that's like, hey, look, conflict. Like these two people now have interacted with each other here. And maybe we'll see them interact again in the future. And it won't be as, as civil that time. Yeah. Yeah. So Mangled Wings now logs into a chat room containing Cap and a couple of others who we I don't think I've met yet. We have strange mammal and heart-shaped people. Yep, and now we're we're taking it back. We've we've connecting all these things together slowly. We've seen Cap, and now all these people plugging in more characters. Yay! Yeah, there's definitely a lot of puzzle solving going on with the fact that you have strange mammal change their name repeatedly. Yeah, um, yeah, but this, that, it's, that it's, kind of headache, headache trying to yeah. figure that out. Uh, yeah, I, I love I love that his mangled winds gets into the chat room though. The first thing they do is start posturing again when it's yeah. like, like, I don't straggle. At worst, I am fashionably late. Okay, Gandalf, like, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they, they use initials to identify themselves, which I guess those are their, their real names, implying that they know who each other are, are, are in real life. Mangled Wings indicates that they haven't used a computer before, which we talked about, but they're learning quickly and heart-shaped people Initial K says they found some videos of mangled wings uh, from the past uh, and will bring them to the next meeting. Yeah, and I think that that beat there is what really made me think that this is someone we maybe possibly have met in the past before, that these videos are going to tie into that in some way. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting. This is a person who's never used a computer before, doesn't know what FYI means. First name starts with A. Um don't remember anyone that starts with A that we've met, but it ruled out my my not very good Sophia guess almost immediately. So, yeah, it does make you wonder. I mean, I guess I'm tempted to take it at face value that they haven't used the computer, but but strange mammal after um, hard shaped people leaves, strange mammal basically says like, hey, um, people can see that you're lying about how much time you've been online today, <laughs> and so, so we kind of have some evidence that that uh mangled wings is lying about their computer access but he may actually be mistaken about this so we're not really too sure it's just an interesting kind of 
possible conflict. Yeah, I mean, my interpretation of that was was more posturing that that Mangled Wings has never used a computer before today and has spent literally all day trying to figure out how to work this stuff and wanted everyone to think it only took an hour. Like, look at me. I'm a quick learner. I can pick this stuff up. Um, I'm extremely competent in all this stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah, that not, makes sense. Not, not a <laughs> seen through almost immediately by strange mammal. Yeah. 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 And of course, Mega the Wings responds by, you know, saying you don't, you don't want to get on my bad side yeah. back off by threatening yeah. her teammates. Cause that's always, it's a good look. Yeah. Super mature. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then we move on into zero dot four and I kind of like that we, we meet these people in, in kind of their own, there's like a pattern being set up here that we meet these people in like their own individual context. And then, and then we realize that, that all of them except point me at the sky are part of this secret chat room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like it too, because it's overwhelming. Sometimes meeting new characters is, can be overwhelming and you yeah. need to ease people into it. So I like, I like that it, it happens this way. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of which, we have the fourth interlude, the fourth uh, yeah, chapter. Uh, user of five logs in. Of five performs an elaborate search query on Parahumans Online, looking for threads containing the terms multi-trigger, grab bag, cluster trigger, mosaic, powers, article, science, etc. Um, basically, we get the sense very rapidly that they're they're looking up. Uh, word of God, I mean, uh, uh, world info on multi-trigger capes. Uh, don't you wish you had read all those word of God multi-trigger entries now, Scott? Huh? No. No. Okay. No, no. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> I think this chapter, uh, this this part of this chapter serves as an info dump to catch me specifically up on all this stuff, um, which I think proves my point, Matt, once and for all that. <laughs> If it's important enough to matter to the story, it'll probably be put in the story. So I guess that makes sense. Game, set, match. No, I mean, it's, I think it's fine that these are, I didn't know that these were things that were defined as, as words of God throughout uh, the postworm period. But yeah, it's cool that, that we're seeing this explored. And, and I like that I didn't have to read all this ex, uh, extemporaneous stuff to understand this. It, it gives, yeah. it catches me up here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's more than just passingly cool. It's necessary because we now understand shards pretty well right. from from Worm. So in order to keep like powers stuff interesting and dynamic and and kind of like uncertain and mysterious, Wildo really does need to introduce elements that we're less familiar with, like like multi-trigger is a thing where I think that might have, like we might've heard that term a couple of times in one. We might know some capes or multi-triggers, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a big deal. Um, and, and certainly we didn't, we didn't really learn about the kiss kill thing as far as I know. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, getting ahead of myself. Um, yeah. So of five reads a cursory article about multi-triggers, which, which will, you know, define as small groups of people who trigger together, having complexly overlapping power sets usually a collection of smaller powers that are related to each other. Subsequent articles give us examples, uh, such as two brothers who have similar matched powers and uh, uh, other other examples like that. And then it goes on to explain the kiss, sorry, it's uh, kill-kiss dynamic, where individuals in a multi-trigger cluster 
are disproportionately likely to end up either in a close relationship or trying to kill each other or both. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So all that joking about the, the word of God stuff aside, I completely agree with what you're saying that this is a really cool new dynamic that is absolutely necessary. We have, we have to explore new things. We have to take it new places. We've seen one of those potential things, which are the, um, in, in Rachel's epilogue, we saw the, the capes that trigger and seemingly have no cap on their power. Um, and now this is another thing we're going to explore. Um, and then we have some, we have with, with strange mammal and whatever the hell is going on with them is another kind of twist on. So, so yeah, we, we, there are mysteries still left within the powers and I look forward to that stuff being explored more. And I look forward to seeing how like the, the where powers came from thing in worm was instrumental to the the themes of that story and i look forward to seeing how these themes how these things these these new extrapolations on on shards and powers tie into what what wild was trying to say with ward i think that's really exciting um and i'm looking forward Absolutely. to seeing what it means yeah that's that's fantastic you're right um yeah so now of five whose initial is apparently r logs into the chat room with the other folks uh, except now questionable mammal is is the user instead of strange mammal <laughs> which yep. is just confusing yep 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 <laughs> yeah so of five wants heart-shaped people's help with their search and uh they're, they're basically it's revealed they're looking for the rest of their set so this gives us enough information to infer that this is a probably relatively new multi-trigger person who's trying to track down the other triggers uh who triggered with them and suddenly of five makes sense. I think yeah. that's a, a Star Trek Voyager reference. <laughs> a Borg Borg reference. Yeah, I mean possibly, yeah. He's three of five. It's three of five, yeah. Five of five. Five of five. One of five. Yeah, but and this uh, is this is our, our first hint that maybe heart shaped people um could also be a cape and, and there might be have tinkerish powers because they seem to be really good at the tech stuff. We'll learn more about this in a bit, but Yeah. Uh, so then a mysterious alphanumeric string contacts of five out of the blue and offers info on multi-triggers. They show a compelling amount of knowledgeability of all living members of clusters. Uh, kind of just rattles off the shipwreck, the cornfield, uh, like, like there are these well-known settings of multi-trigger events that they just know everything about. Um, they think of five must be from the mall and they guess that of five is the runt, the easiest target. And, and basically let L5 know that others are coordinating against him. And says, uh, you need help. You've got a case of kiss kill like I never saw, and I don't think they're reaching for the chapstick. <laughs> That's a pretty good line. I had convinced myself that this person was Tattletale, and I was like marveling at my cleverness. I was like, yeah, this is Tattletale pretending to be someone else. It's it's not. It's not. At least I don't think it's not. I mean, they specifically mentioned Tattletale as if it's a different person yeah but. and they also say that they're multi-trigger right i mean that's kind of the point of yeah yeah wh- you're right. why they're why they're into all this yeah which yeah yeah you're right <laughs> that would be would be funny to learn the tattletale has like five other powers that she's just kept in reserve this whole time um <laughs> yeah so back in the group chat of five's friends help them locate an article that seems to depict a member of, of five's cluster uh, and her powers um, so we do get a glimpse of powers similar to the ones that a five might have. Yeah, but not a lot to go off of there. Um, 
but and, but yeah, go ahead. It is interesting that we see like of five is vehemently denying that what's going on here is the, the kill kiss thing, even yeah. though it seems pretty obvious that that's what's. I mean, like the person that triggered with them is immediately setting things up to try to come after them and kill them. So if it's not kiss kill, something else is going on here. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's almost like there may be some nuance to the situation that somehow makes it worse than usual. Right, but, uh, right. But it leaves you it leaves you wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just love that it ends. This chapter ends with questionable mammal saying, "Did you get the bot thing handled?" Referring to when of five said, "Oh, I think a bot is contacting me," and then it turned out to be this mysterious person. And then of five answers, bot thing handled, blocked, and moved on. So basically, just acts like. It was basically just his lying. He's lying to the team right. about about what's going on, and the chapter ends ominously with, you know, we we have we have a lot of evidence of conflict within this group of people, right? Um, and, and and lack of trust. So that's cool. Yeah, you you talked about um the like the that the we're getting a pattern set up here where we introduce a new character, we see them off on their own, then they come into this group, and then. Now this is a new pattern we're seeing at the end of the chapter. The, a a lie, a hidden thing is being shown that they are not sharing with the rest of the group. We have we have Cap and his um his he's hired a hitman for something. Um, we have Mangled Wings is is kind of being dishonest about how much they understand the internet and how like they're just they're just lying to the group they're posturing we have now we have a five who is is being dishonest with his group about this this person that contacted them so we're seeing and we'll continue to see that as much as this group is about coming together and and playing off each other's strikes they're all lying to each other about something yeah yeah which is very excellent storytelling and just makes you want to know what's up right it's like what's going it's to happen. so conflict rich like there's so much potential for future conflict like within the group and outside the group at the same time yeah all right so next we move on to another point me at the sky interlude very short uh this time uh with this character getting rejected from grad school which clues us into their age a little bit the rejection indicates that point me at the sky is an exceptional candidate but is applying to like the only college in the world. Uh, and so they probably have to reject a lot of exceptional people. Yeah. They then get moral support from Glitz Glam, their friend who can't believe that point me at this guy didn't get in. And they obliquely discuss what they'll be doing now. It looks like Glitz Glam is settling into a team and point me at this guy is doing something that revolves around the high school year schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Very brief chapter here, but it's basically, yeah, to clue us on a little bit more about Point Me at the Sky, who I'm I'm going to start referring to as a girl now, um, because Glitz Glam calls her Hun, and like, I I guess you could see her Glitz Glam, who I'm guessing is also a girl because their name is Glitz Glam. Um, I I guess you could see absolutely using Hun for for men. The the whole tone and the back and forth nature of this conversation seems very much like two young. Uh, teenage or slightly older women talking to each other um that's that's the feeling i get from it so um that's my guess on that all right i guess i'm going to continue to use my non-gender pronouns and then probably slip up every once in a while as i have been doing (laughs) okay (laughs) fine yeah um so yes next chapter we have questionable cephalopod uh 
logging out and curious cephalopod logging in, which which I like that because that immediately tells us like, hey, all those name changes that you've been noticing, this is that person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, confused Scott has read this chapter five times. Still, still doesn't doesn't get it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the moderator contacts our POV user about their 32 usernames <laughs> and eventually they give in and they provide an image of themselves, which we're going to guess from context reveals them to be like a cephalopod. I guess. Uh, <laughs> like literally. Which, huh. Yeah. Which nicely goes with the sort of, uh, software glitch, which happens and their, and, and their like motive of speaking in the uh, chat rooms, which is always involves a lot of ellipsis bracketing their communication, suggesting that they're using some kind of accessibility software to type. Uh, so we pick up they're probably cape that changes form with some regularity, I guess. Yeah, there's there's hints about like an insect form in a few days. Um, avian. Avian, yeah. And it's like, this is, this is very, like, I don't have a good handle on exactly what is going on, but I think you're right. He's using a program to chat, presumably because right now he's a squid person, <laughs> doesn't have any fingers, um, transforms somehow um, under his control or not. I don't know. He's got someone spying on him, um, and I'm using him. I don't actually know if this is this is a him or not, but um, and and we get to learn who the person spying on them later is. Um, but it's yeah, it's very weird, and I do like I like the detail of how they talk. The you're absolutely right. The ellipses that that start and finish thoughts that are part of a block of text instead of just one off because we see specifically that if you interrupt that like if you talk in between when those blocks are being sent it it screws the whole program up um which is a which is a great way to show that he's using a program like it's again we're we're, we're like wild is kind of having to write with one hand tied behind his back because you you have to show things in a very different way than you normally would and and he shows that information via the errors with this this bracketed communication yeah and, and also like one thing that i was doing back when these were first coming out is i was like meticulously pouring through um not just not just the way people talk but the minute details of you know do they use periods at the end of of blocks of text do they use capital letters uh stuff like that and and this character has an obviously standout uh, uh you know habit of bracketing their text in ellipsis and then that actually turns out to mean something so yeah. that was cool yeah yeah so um so yeah so seth goes on to read an article about what a bad idea it is to travel to other dimensions uh, because you'll probably get killed by the elements or by terrifying molds or by confused people. Uh, interesting flavor that the, the world they're currently on has some indigenous human populations. Thought that was cool. Yeah, that's new information, right? Because um, I know they when they picked this world to make that first portal, they specifically were trying to pick one that was empty, but they really only had their ability to like look look around and see it looks, this looks empty. Makes me wonder if these populations are going to matter to the story in some way before the end. They could. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wondered that too. Um, we do get confirmation that Bet is uninhabitable, which I guess we kind of knew. 
Yeah, but it, that, I think that ties into our ongoing theme and, and, and conflict around the past. Um, some people are refusing to give up on bet. They want to go back. They want to make it better. They want to improve it. Other people are just like, no, um, we got to move on. Like, we got to start fresh. It's over. You can't go back there. Yeah. I, I think this is a neat little, you know, bit of text about what the situation is like. And we've, we've obliquely referenced this before, but basically, this person says, but a lot of people fought, a lot of capes, many were foreign, the fight ended, and then we were doing or did our best to get them home, but not all want to go home, or Scion didn't leave them a home to go back to. A lot of them have gathered into like groups. That's where we get the weird corner world settlements. So I just think that's kind of awesome that you have, way, like you said earlier, way more capes than we had before, and a lot of them are basically refugees, and they're going and they're forming these little communities in in far-flung dimensions and it's just kind of a super awesome setting yeah i got to admit that that this is one of the consequences of what taylor did that i hadn't really thought about too much in worm until now um she plucked these capes from hundreds of different worlds all over the place dropped them all in earth bit and then said okay thanks bye and yeah, a lot of these people are, are a long way from home. Some of them don't have homes. Some of them like it better there. And yeah, the, the Cape concentration is, has skyrocketed. And as we've seen in the past book, that is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. So people are seeking out these corners, corner settlements to avoid the pressure of the megalopolis, but they find that the dangers of the wilderness can be worse. Yeah, especially when like a cape comes in, declares themselves warlord. Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> I was and, kidding, guys. Uh, Don't get mad at me. Oh my god, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, it'll never end, will it? Um, and then tragically, Black is is banned. Yeah, Wildbo had enough of that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then the cephalopod goes back into the group chat. And it seems that Hart and Wings are asking Cap for the details on his shiny big cape life on a corporate team. Um, and we kind of knew that that was the case because he was in that Reach chat room. Yeah. Uh, so, so of five mentions that they might have to go into hiding based on their kill kiss situation. Yeah. Um, the 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 beat I liked most about this is, I think. Cap says of five is his best friend by this point. Like he says, I think you're my best friend and uh -huh. of five handles this very interestingly. Yeah. He doesn't say, Oh, me too, man. Yeah, totally. His reply is yes, we get along best out of the group, which is <laughs> like the, the most like tame reaction to the saying best friend. That's like, yeah. that's like saying I love you and being like, yeah, I also agree that we get along. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody opens their arms for a hug and you stick out your hand for a handshake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the, the cool part of how the prologue is structured that we're only seeing a portion of their interaction, right? There's, there's hints that these people have met up in the past before that they've been around each other in person, but we don't get to see that part of it. So we're only really getting a snapshot of their, uh, interaction and right. that's that's something that, like what happened to make cap think that they were best friends um why does of five not agree with that it's yeah. just a lot of interesting stuff yeah one thing we're not really highlighting here is that 
these are happening over a, a short span of time. Like it's, it's a few, it's a, it's a few days, right? Right. Cause you, you see, you see the dates. So everything's time stamped. So it's what, like three or four or five days or something I for think all you're this. Right. Yeah. Some, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, everyone makes a big deal out of mangled wings offering her sympathies. Yeah. And that's, that's funny because I think that ties in what we were just talking about that days are going by. Um, we're seeing them act differently. We're seeing Mangle Wings act differently than they did before. And is that is that their the front that they're putting up is melting away as they get to know these people? Are they actually changing? We we don't know. But it's it's interesting that we see it and that everyone else notices it as well. As well. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. So Cephalopod tells them that uh, they've been looking at maps for where we want to set up. So there's an implication there that the, they're going to set up. Yeah. We see a bit of that weird passive aggressiveness from Capricorn, which of five sort of calls him out on. And then this kind of leads to Cap leaving in a bit of a huff. Yeah. More, more mysterious behavior and more conflict boiling right into the surface in this team. Yep. Then heart shaped people engages cephalopod in a one-on-one conversation, like a one-on-one side chat. And they seem to, uh, uh, heart shaped people seems to be very nervously inviting cephalopod on a date and cephalopod does not let her down too easily. Uh, 200 reasons why that's a bad idea. Um, because you're you and I'm me No, and don't ask again. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is really interesting. Um, the one thing this does is, is establish that these two people are about the same age, which considering how heart shaped pupil has been acting very young, ish and we'll learn specifically that in the next chapter um but we see that these are probably the two possibly youngest people in the group i like i like that you pulled out that line because they say because you're you and i'm me so it's not just hey i'm a a mutating squid person (laughs) um it's also something to do with who heart-shaped pupil is what she is and her her past and and we learn a lot more about this in that next chapter and it's it's a very good kind of setup for that, that that there's something specific to this person that is kind of uncomfortable as well. Yeah, there's there's a ton of ominous stuff going on with yeah. RJ people. Yeah. Well, I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and here we go. Or, or, yeah, you go ahead and finish it. Yeah. I just wanted to point out that the, the, this chapter ends with another secret that's being kept that that heart shaped people is spying on at least cephalopod and um, we can assume her if she's reading the logs of him that she's she's also reading the logs of everyone else in the chat so here's another secret that they're keeping from the rest of the people yep yeah that's that's true that's following the pattern and then uh we segue nicely into heart-shaped people's profile um who seems to have some weird settings enabled so right off the bat we see this person is actually tinkering with their um with their with their forum set up more than anyone else has been, mm-hmm. and, and they log into Treefort Lookout, uh, which is a hangout for those sixteen and under with inquisitive minds or an eye on things going on around them. Um, <laughs> other discussion belongs in our Pillow Fort, Lazy Talk, or Snow Fort mission rooms. So it's it's I just enjoy that flavor there. Yeah, and it's 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 a fun creative way of giving us information that both heart shaped people and cephalopod are at most sixteen years old according to the the rules of this chat room. Um, and now, Matt, I have to change the general discussion 
in our uh, Discord to Pillow Fort Lazy Talk. So All right. It's been done. Sorry, General right. Dogs. You had a good run. Yeah, you had a good run. And and we'll we'll see we'll see what happens next. <laughs> so this user, Kenzie, uh, is greeted warmly by a handful of friends. Kenzie mentions to one of them that uh, she was a ward, so we get that bit of information about her. Yeah, I mean well technically like one of them asks if this girl is the one that was the ward, which in retrospect, Matt, like that's a funny thing to make your chat box do your chatbot do like they specifically say i'm new here is that the girl that's the ward yeah and it gives a little insight into what kenzie is doing with these things which is yeah so sad and tragic and awful yeah the, there's a lot of strange things going on with these bots which we're going to get into and it is sad and tragic but like it kind of freaks me out also yeah i mean it's it's disturbing as well yeah yeah, yeah. So so it seems this gaggle of youngsters has found two of her old teammates. Kenzie then contacts them individually, Avon and Houndstooth. And uh, Avon just kind of brushes her off. Yeah. Summarily. I, I think this is really interesting because we now we, we know that Kenzie was a ward and and we can take this information. And this is this is where I think sequels are cool, right? Because we can take this information and we can remember back in the first book what we understood of the two wards teams we spent a lot of time with we had we had the brockton bay teams and the chicago teams and we saw that these teams were were really close right and in fact we looked at the camaraderie of the chicago team when taylor first saw it and marveled at it and taylor did herself she was like look how close these people are look how like they interact with each other and how teammate like close to teammates they are and and the brockton bay team had a similar thing as well. I mean, there were shadow stalker complications and, and when Weld first came, people were a little annoyed with him as, as taking over leadership spot. But I mean, everyone got pretty close in these groups. So you have a, a former ward member, like completely brushing off your old teammate and you immediately go, huh, that's weird. Like that's yeah. not, that's not the ward teams as we saw them in the last book. So what, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. We get moderately more information when she next contacts Houndstooth. Um, so, so, you know, first she returns to the, 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 uh, tween chat and, and is a bit crestfallen. And then she goes to contact Houndstooth and finds that Avon has already reached out to them, which is ominous. Yeah. Um, so basically like, and that just forces you to imagine this Avon person being like, Hey, uh, I just got contacted by, by Kinsey. So, you know, you know, uh, look out for that. Right. Like heads up. Um, she, it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Get, get, yeah. get emotionally ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Houndstooth at least tries to be like a solid person and gently tells her not to try to contact the others from their old team. They then have a really hard time saying why and, and end up saying people are gun shy, uh, which doesn't tell us anything, but makes us even more curious. Heart shaped people. Kenzie then goes on to ask if they can have a business relationship, at least maybe she can do Houndstooth a favor. And Houndstooth says yes, but interestingly, uh, I think Kinsey interprets this as a "don't call us, we'll call you," like, like fake uh, acceptance. Yeah, which it kind of is. I think he said Houndstooth said specifically, "I've given your contact information to the other members. If they want to talk to you, they'll reach out. Stop mm -hmm. looking for us." Yeah, and yeah. and so so we've had these two very uncomfortable conversations, and and what we've gleaned from it, what it seems, is that whatever Kenzie's power is, it's 
kind of disturbing and it's kind of makes people uncomfortable and it does have its uses obviously we see houndstooth sees that there's a use for this power that they're willing to say yeah let's have a business relationship and that the wards and the prt in general was willing to uh to put this person on a team to to use their power but but people don't like it it makes them uncomfortable she she seemingly was never really a member of the team proper like they, they it was never that kind of camaraderie that friendship that we saw in those other teams yeah that, very that, interesting stuff yeah so then back in tree fort lookout uh one of the uh young teens says telltale took on a new mission that's taking her to earth n she'll be busy for a short while now calm down just tattletale she's just off okay scheming some schemes for for a hot minute there i was like oh my god what if she's going to visit taylor what if that's the earth taylor's on what if they're gonna go be friends forever <laughs> and then i realized that the earth was sealed off specifically and that's yeah probably not gonna happen yeah so um yeah harsha people now goes into a group chat to relate this news about tattletale to her friends so it seems like this group is in some sense moving against tattletale yeah, I think that the, we, we learned specifically that the ones going against of five hired Tattletail to locate him, right? Like they 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 hired her for that. So it stands to reason that these two teams are going to come to blows eventually, which what we know about Tattletail is, isn't good for these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it's cool that, I mean, I don't know if I would say it, it, it seems it's suggestive that this prologue is sort of setting up Tattletail as the villain if you assume that it's setting up this team as our our protagonist team which yeah. i i won't make any comment whether that's true or not but like it, it it's definitely uh suggestive from from this that we're we're making title tale seem like a powerful distant villain yeah with, with a lot of reach and these these kids are struggling quite absolutely. a bit so absolutely and that's fun because we know we know this girl and we we like her a lot yeah. but yeah. But from others' perspectives, we're seeing her as this distant, scary threat. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, back in Tree Fort Lookout, she also learns that Weld is back. Well, Matt. Yeah. Matt. Oh, sorry. You're being like Nerd Crew again. Can't, I don't know. Can't do that. Sorry. I, I saw Weld and I clapped. <laughs> um, so an admin abruptly contacts heart-shaped people. And uh, you get from her tone, it's kind of a, like, oh, shit tone. Um, and the, the admin tells her that she needs to stop using up as many resources as she is with her hobby research project. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. I did this in high school, by the way. I, <laughs> I completely filled the storage cause I was downloading stuff on the computer and I didn't, they, they didn't set like the amount of space you had for some reason. So I just filled everything up and got a very mean email. Yeah. Oops. That was way back yeah. in the before time of 2003. It's not your fault, Scott. It's not. It's, it's their fault. So she returns to Tree Fort Lookout, and uh, it's hard not to feel a sense of melancholy as she systematically kills all her friends, who, of course, were just chatbots the whole time. Yeah, if we if we get quiet for a minute, I think I think we can even hear them screaming. Yeah, I know. But. <laughs> I think I think this is actually I, I love how this is done, right? Um, and again, this this shows how Wildbow can creatively use this format to convey information to us because Kenzie logs back in, and then we see this line: "We see you have been auto set to away as you have been idle for five minutes," and then 
the next thing we see is that them killing their first bot. So you, you presumably get this idea that Kenzie logged it back in and then for at least five minutes just sat at her desk staring at the screen wrestling with the fact that she has to kill these guys. And, and it, it conveys the fact that real or not, they were important to her. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also you can sort of see why in, in, in the sense that they're providing different needs to her. Some of them more obvious than others. Like some of them, we have Dogtooth, who, um, when she kills it, it's like, it, it says like HT bot killed. So we have Dogtooth, Hounds, Houndstooth, yeah. Houndstooth. Like she made a bot of Houndstooth. And yeah. then also Goatfish, Catbot. It's a bot of Capricorn. Yeah. So she's like making bots of her friends to, keep her company and uh this is a very lonely person i think yeah well she has Um, one that's just their whole purpose is to give them internet hugs (laughs) yeah and yeah i it's so like i love the admin logs in as she's having hugbot give them one last hug and it's just this it's just this like embarrassing tragic sad moment for her but you're absolutely right there's 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 something weird going on here too as much as this is sad and much as this is like you feel bad for this girl who is clearly very lonely and just looking for people to interact with, um, something weird is going on. Because before she starts killing the cap bot and then there, I think there's one for uh, Cephalopod as well, she goes AFK again for five minutes. We see that message again, you've been idle for five minutes. And then someone named Executioner404 logs in and Executioner 404 is the one that eliminates those work in progress bots that are the the cap bot and uh and and the other one. So is Kenzie logging into a different account to do this? Were these bots different from the ones that she claims are just mindless and not real AI and just simple programs? What are these things? Is she is she building a completely artificial intelligence version of her friends? Like what's going on here? It's very, yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah, my interpret interpretation of the executioner was that she basically like left and then set in like a basically made a bot to just go finish the job so she wouldn't have to do yeah, it herself. Yeah, she wrote a script so she wouldn't have to do it herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but I there, also, go ahead. There's one that doesn't go through, Matt, because the the executioner four hundred four does a kill of Avian B, and unlike the, all the other ones we've seen, we don't get a. Uh, is disconnected and logs out message. So whatever that is, it didn't go through. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I noticed that. Um, one, one thing that I did notice was, uh, oh yeah. So, so, so yeah, the, the admin logs in and like you said, confronts her about what's going on. And Kinsey admits that these are chat bots and that she's running her own server probably better than what you guys have she says and the and, and the admin sort of freaks out about it and is like no you're 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 messing us up and this is like terrible security implications uh, i also like i also like that the admin says are these ais and instead of saying no kinsey says if they were ais i would be an s-class threat <laughs> so right so just uh to make things a little bit more ominous right and and i mean if if you tie back to our our possibly completely off base speculation that dragon is the one who primarily helps set up the parahumans online server again the fact that this little girl made something that was better than what you guys have means something 
Because yeah. this is dragon. This is, I mean, the, we're, yeah, right. we're very, we're, we're not being coy about the potential and the power that this little girl could possibly have. Yeah. It's, it's exciting to see what, what this is going to be. Yeah. And then, uh, so, so Kenzie goes back over to the, the chat with the people who were coming to know and is having an interaction with, um, with mangled wings and basically says a lot of the stuff to mangled wings that we've been saying about mangled wings. Like, Hey, you know, you're, you're a cool person and everything, but I don't think you're, you know, your voice doesn't translate well. Uh, I think you're intimidating and you want to be intimidating on the internet and that doesn't work at all. C is intimidating on here. Somehow he has that knack, that atmosphere, the skill. So this kind of what we were saying earlier, uh, lampshading these observations that you've been making in the background as you've been going through the story. Yeah. Yeah. This is very cool. And I, I, it makes me very excited to get to meet this person, uh, outside the chat room, like see what they are like in the real world. And I think it's going to be very fun. This is one of the the things that's fun. You get to characterize people this way and then we get to see, will that characterization match up to the person we see outside the internet? And I think it's going to be very entertaining to see what this person acts and looks like and who this is. Yeah, um, it makes me very excited. And that's and that's like that's what that's what this prologue is doing. Like we're setting up themes, we're setting up conflicts, we're setting up characters and we're doing them in ways that make you want to see more. And that's that's key for a prologue. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is important here. We have we have Kenzie saying, if you think about it with powers and all, the center of your being could include the vast monster in another dimension that's all hooked up into you passenger stuff the center of mass could be in the middle of an alien god monster the size of a mountain or moon i imagine it has the energy of a small star stored in it so the fact that she's saying this i think matters because it matters that it's now common knowledge that this is what powers are yeah i i i think you're right and i think it's very interesting that we get to learn throughout this like what parts of the truth of cauldron of powers shards of gold morning what what parts of this whole thing got out to people and what parts didn't um because i'm sure that that part of this would be something that the people in charge would not be thrilled about people getting out there that we know that that every person with powers has a giant massive alien connected to them that is powering them i'm sure is a thing that they probably would prefer the general public not know but it seems like that's one of the things that did get out into common knowledge yeah right and and it has extreme consequences that you can can you could imagine all day what those could be yeah um, so so it's, it's significant i mean we, we've seen a number of ways in which our status quo now is completely different from our status quo at the beginning of worm yeah and uh and this is yet another way is that powers were mysterious and now they're, they're not. And that's actually its own problem. Yeah. And, and from now on, um, whenever I'm showing my displeasure for the internet, I am going to say that I hate the internet to the core of my giant moon sized being, which might have the energy of a small star stored in it. Right. So well, that's just, you're going to be saying that a lot. Seems like, the like be- a seems like the best way key. to describe that. I think it's accurate though. Yeah. Can we, um, can we make a, can we shorten that somehow? Can we why butt um, that? Yeah, an easy sure. way to... yeah. Make that acronym. <laughs> That's fine. People will get it. I <laughs> I got you. Nailed it. No problem. Nailed it. So we also learn a bit about the deal that's going on within this group of people. Um, 
Mangled Wing says, I'm always serious. We'll handle this project. I aim to learn all I can. When or if it fails, though, I'll be an independent villain again. I aim to be a successful one. So, so basically, they're all working on a project of some kind together, uh, but Mangled Wings is not super committed to it. Yeah, and and uh, it, it like we know she's labeling herself as a villain. We know we have some people that are f- former heroes, but the the alignment, I guess, of this group is something that still kind of remains a mystery to us. We don't know what their objective is. We don't know what they want to accomplish. We just know they're coming together. Um, and and I think the next chapter sheds a lot of light on this as we see kind of who the the heart of the group is. But um, again, we have kind of some some more dishonesty here, though. Like. Kenzie is not sharing what she's doing with the rest of the group. They they have this kind of side deal as well that if this thing falls apart, you're going to still work for me. Um, and and the troubling part of this is is that Mangled Wings is a person that is as honestly declared themselves. I am a villain. I'm going to do villainous things. This is how I identify myself. And Kenzie is a person who's desperate for people to like them, desperate for people to be around. And so if this thing does go belly up, like she's going with this person like that's that's what's gonna happen like she she wants people to like her and she wants to have people be around her and 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 mangled winds wing seems to be one of the only people that like isn't troubled by her isn't afraid of her and this kind of means everything to her yeah yeah and, and uh that i think it's interesting also that mangled wings is one of the least socially savvy at least that's how it seems yeah so uh it's possible that she's entirely wrong not to be scared of Kinsey. yeah probably um all right moving on into 0.8 our pov account space squid gets their name change approved they say that they've been uh, receiving some online abuse but refuse to allow parahumans online to view their chat logs so it's probably going to continue and they receive another abusive message you're not one of us and you never will be yeah this is one of those statements that's wonderfully vague um, and we get a really nice payoff as to what it means at the end of the chapter. But I, I really like that the text like successfully gets you to shift the context of that sentence, like a, at least twice during the course of the, uh, of the, um, the chapter. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, this person reads a skeptical article on Weld's return and new membership in the wardens. Capricorn comes to his rescue in the comments. Somebody then calls Capricorn's motives into question. Further discussion generally emphasizes the fragility of the situation. Space Squid adds her own post, uh, outing themselves as a monstrous cape, emphasizing how difficult that existence is. This article is nothing but a terrible hit piece, and I am disgusted by it, and I will not stand for this, Matt. Nobody talks bad about Weld. (laughs) Seriously, though, I think the thing that I like about it, though, is that it's kind of a wealth wealth like founded opinion like it's true that the author doesn't have the full story they don't know the truth of what happened with weld and with cauldron um but when you mask the truth from people it kind of forces them to draw their own conclusions on stuff and and they build an argument around his change in appearance his his continual no comment um the 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 general mistrust of capes and the prt in general and I think this this circles back to our theme that we're talking about dealing with the past, uh, moving on from the past or staying living in the past. And 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 you kind of get where this guy's coming from, even though I don't fully I don't fully agree myself, but you kind of get it. 
Yeah, sure. It's, it was like that that article about Rachel, where it's it's like, well, that doesn't seem very fair or generous. But it's like, well, why would you be inclined to be fair or generous to someone who you know has done some questionable things? Right. And and, and if if you put all the publicly available evidence together, it certainly doesn't look good. Yeah, but I think I think Cap does kind of get right down to the core of the argument against this, which is that Weld has never shown himself to be anything but decent. If you're filling in the blanks or raising questions, then take your cue from that first and foremost, which I think is fair. I think we have a tendency to to imagine the worst, but if someone has never shown to be anything but but good and you're missing information, why would you assume that the the, the information that you're missing is negative? I also like that Cap stands up for him here because Cap was in danger of being unlikable. Um, yeah. Like he, he's, he's definitely compelling and mysterious enough that I wasn't like irritated with him as a character. But the fact that he stands up for Weld makes you think like, yeah, okay, all right, I think I can get on board with this guy. Yeah, I agree. And it's like we, we go from here to more conversation and, and some people in the thread make some I think pretty good points. I think the guy who types out the zeros of people's dead instead of saying billions, I think that's like a clever way of doing that. And yeah, like, but then, then our, our point of view character squid drops in with this wonderful speech. And we obviously know that, that who we know who she is by the end of the chapter. So I'm going to stop pretending um, and, and just say that I fucking love Sveta and I love the person that she has apparently become here. And I think this is the first confirmed character we have from the last book we're getting to see. Everything else is just like conjecture and we don't really know who these people are. But this is this is the first time we've confirmed a character. And I think it's so great to see her like she's still struggling, but she's coming to things from a place of positivity and hope. And I think that's just a a great way to see like the, the change from who she was the first time we saw her in Worm to who Weld helped her become to who she is now. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great note of positivity at this point in the story where we have this sense of everything on the verge of collapse. And it's like, well, I mean, it's 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 going well for one person. One person has, you know, made some way down down the road toward being OK, which mm-hmm. was which was the the uh, best case scenario that we set out at the end of the last story. Yep. So next, they read a post on a Case 53 subforum by a kid who has basically died and turned into a sentient mold, which he then used to reanimate his father and sister. Um, okay. So if that wasn't heartbreaking enough by itself, there's some heartbreaking back and forth as this kid uh, gets moral support from other nice folk on the forum before the thread is then locked and the kid is referred to in the past tense. He was close enough to being one of us. This really, this really fucked me up, man. <laughs> this is really like this was rough, and it's like, oh yeah, we're 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 in parahumans world. <laughs> Here yeah, we go. Right. Things Powers are still going to be horror. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really uh, disturbing thing to think about. But I it, agree. But again, Sveta's Sveta's post in here is so beautiful. Like. The, the the positivity like i like i went through and read some of your old po- posts you were a strong you are a strong wonderful person who like don't give up like it's i i love that positivity yeah, yeah me too so yeah sveta gets harassed by whippersnap and she gives us a clue as to the nature of her prior internet handle which was something embarrassing which uh, i mean just we we know it was g g string girl yeah um, <laughs> she doesn't want to identify that way anymore 
And she says, uh, you, you should know I killed her, the one who did this. Whippersnap says, you stopped us from getting our justice and took it for yourself. And she says, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, with this, this is the point where I think the story wants you to to connect those dots, right, and realize that this yeah. is Sveta. Um, and and I love that this takes that "you were never one of us" quote and and re- recontextualizes it again because when you see it first, you're like, I don't understand what that means, and then it's declared that that uh, space squid is a case fifty three. So then you're like assuming that it's humans saying to this monstrous cape, "You're not one of us." But then we realize here at the end what that actually means is is the other monstrous capes the other regulars telling telling sveta that you you aren't one of us you don't belong with us and that's i love i love how that's done throughout the course of this chapter yeah i agree i like that um yeah so so our uh, our mysterious user uh sveta asks the admin if she can just delete her account because she's so demoralized by having these horrible interactions with these with these i guess former regulars who who are harassing her um, themes <laughs> starting fresh <laughs> moving on from the past themes yeah i mean i think deleting your internet account is always a good idea <laughs> in, in, in any context really hold on let me just delete my twitter account real quick yeah no <laughs> that's the only reason twitter is survivable yeah it's your, your live reads <laughs> oh not that one i meant my personal one. Oh, okay yeah everyone should delete their own personal account uh yeah so so then she joins the chat room where our usual folks are hanging out. And this is our first indication that she knows these people. Yep. And in this, in this chat room, she's cracking in a jar. Which is awesome. Uh, and she, she, she does, you know, hugs Kendi, uh, sorry, hugs Kenzie to get her to stop wiggling. And then heart shaped people responds, dies. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful. Yeah. It, uh, I, I think this is, this is cool because this is hilarious in context. It's a good joke. But I think it's also another moment for some character development, right? There is a time, we know Sveta, there is a time when that joke probably would have really hurt her feelings, right? Where she yeah. was not, she did not have a grip on, on herself and the level of guilt she had over, um, that she couldn't control herself, that she killed people in the past. Uh, I don't think that Sveta would have found this very funny at all, but she's, she's doing okay now and that joke succeeds. She says it put a smile on her face and it's like, you go, you go, tentacle lady. You go. Yeah, right. Because I think at, at first even I was like, oh, that was a little tone deaf there, Kenzie. But yeah. but not only does Feta respond positively, but they like repeat the joke again later. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so then they go on to talk about uh, how Sveta has been spending time with Weld and um, on a trip, basically. They've been on some kind of trip, which I guess is why she hasn't been in the chat room for the last few days. So yeah, we, we do learn a few other things like, uh, Cap is still a jerk sometimes and that somebody put out a hit on L5. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're about to leave these guys behind. So we're kind of setting up, uh, what their conflict looks like, what their wants and needs look like at the end of the prologue. Cause we're going to move on from them into the story proper. And that's a good way of doing that. And I think the cool thing about this is we've seen these guys throughout these chapters, we've seen these guys, they're all keeping secrets from each other. There's conflict and tension within the group and without of the group. And Sveta kind of comes in here and it, and it becomes like immediately apparent that she is the heart of this team. She is the one that, that's going to bring them together. And she, she states the mission and she like declares the, the important attributes of the team. And I love this because as she goes down and reads them, you see different people comment on the different one. And it's like a way of, of 
showing what their character attribute is. It's very clever because because uh, uh, Sveta says we re- represent the lead we want others to follow. Stability and Cap says yeah. So stability is important to that guy. Strength. Mangled Wings says absolutely, which that doesn't surprise you. It seems like that's one of the things that that Wings is most important on and then cooperation and of five our cluster cape says yep and (laughs) and then then she reads the and then she she finishes off by reading things like honesty and good health and kindness and moving forward and all that junk and uh cephalopod who is now insect insect says all that junk yes and it's funny because like honesty is thrown into that all that junk which is something we know specifically that they are not doing. Um, I just, I just like how this is done. I think it's a very clever way of establishing character attributes and kind of wrapping up the team. The team is gathered. They're all here now. And this is what's important to the people. This is what they want to accomplish. And now let's see how that goes. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic way of both repeating the, the formula that we've seen in the last few chapters while also, um, concluding that that pattern yeah having everyone everyone is there at the same time basically um and and they all just come to an agreement and and a a joining of minds about what they're doing yep and uh and it's yeah it's great it's a great way to leave them i I agree and then we move back to uh with our final chapter of the prologue we move back to point me at the sky huh it's interesting like we started the prologue with this person then we met up with him again, like halfway through, like right in the middle of the prologue. And then we, and then we finish with them as well. It's like almost as if they're the, the protagonist. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll see. Uh-huh. So an anonymous person contacts point me at the sky. Uh, actually, I, I think you're right. And this is just point me at the sky reading the private messages she got at the, at the first chapter. Mm hmm. Um, and this person is seeking some kind of closure, some kind of resolution. This is apparently a person who met Point Me at the Sky in the past for some kind of cape-oriented photo shoot. They connect, and this person's alias is flippin' mad. She's frustrated that the capes won't share details about what happened, despite the fact that virtually all of them were at the battle. Um, and then we finally get to, um, once it's apparent that, that Point Me at the Sky is willing to talk to her, uh, flippin' mad says, thank you. Did you know Skitter Weaver? I guess, and this is one of those uh, "I'm not crying, you're crying" moments. Yeah, that's this whole chapter, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna. I think at the end of, of wrapping up the, the, the summary, we'll talk about the the impact of this. Um, yeah, th- this is this is kind of a weird one because this whole thing is just one conversation between these two people, and I think it's better to talk about it in summation than it is to yeah. jump in. As we go, like there's going to be parts when I think we'll have stuff to analyze as we go, but it really taking the conversation as a whole and discussing that at the end, I think is probably going to be the best way to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so we see basically point me at the sky has this view of, of Taylor um, and basically says, you know, I saw her as the novice warlord. She hurt an awful lot of people, a crazy lot. She killed one of our best heroes. She also joined the, the Leviathan fight. She apparently helped against the Nine. She joined the wards. It's hard to reconcile, which is all stuff that that we as the readers of the last story felt, you know? I mean, uh-huh. e- even if you're on Team Taylor, 
you are you're aware that there's a lot to reconcile when it comes to this character. I mean, that that is the feeling you walk away with, even if you are completely all in on Taylor as a character. The the the, the like wistful tragedy of the ending of that story is just yeah, it's hard to reconcile. I, I just love that yeah <laughs> that and, expression absolutely. And 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 this chapter, this this finishing the prologue is our final attempt to try to reconcile these things before we, before we leave her behind and we move on into the next part. And I love, I love that wild Bo's doing this. It's like, here we are, we've made it through the prologue. We've introduced some new themes. We introduced some new characters. Um, we've introduced all this new conflict. And before we go, let's just, let's just circle back one last time and let's talk about worm a little bit. Yeah. She goes on to say, um, I think she's someone who was looking hard for an answer. I think she was wounded and lost. And for this reason, and probably because of other factors, she did a lot of damage while looking. The people she was with, things being primed for everything to fall down, timing or bad luck, personality, uh, and, and which is, you know, just kind of more elaboration on this idea of, of, of who Taylor was and, yeah. and why things happened the way they did. So then it, it kind of turns out it's, it's revealed that Flippin' Mad is, is Madison, um, which, which is really great because we never got any closure with Madison at all. We had Madison was the only one of the the bullies who ever showed any like shame at, at what had been done, um, and and did not just go all in on it like like Emma and and Sophia did. Yeah. Um, and they're at this critical apparently in, in the past. Uh, Madison and Point Me at the Sky were at this this photo shoot, and Emma and Madison. And and Sophia, I guess, acted like their typical selves, making fun of a disabled girl, and pointing at the sky, called them a bunch of bitches, and stormed out. <laughs> um, and while the other girls were all in, immediately going into self-justification mode, Madison actually wondered if she was a bad person. Um, and but it didn't seem to take because it was a short while after that that they put Taylor in the tampon locker. Uh, so so Madison now feels that she pushed a rock that rolled down a hill and did horrific damage and point me at the sky counters that Taylor was her own person, but also doesn't really want to let Madison off the hook here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that this is Madison. I love that we did this and, and we're kind of, we're like we said, we're, we're, we're concluding on worm here. Like, even more so than we did in the epilogue. We are, we are moving on. We have the person who I think is going to be the protagonist of this story talking to one of the original three people responsible for a lot of what the, the protagonist of the last story went through. And like you said, this was the only person that was left not resolved. So it's so fitting that we're, we're, and we're bridging the gap. We're going back to this person and we're tying off the last part of Taylor's bullying at its source. And, and like anything else, it's complicated. It's, yes, you were part of this. Yes, you did push that rock that rolled downhill and did some damage. But Taylor's not a rock. Taylor's a human being. And she still made choices as she was rolling down that hill of what she was going to hit and how she was going to hit it. And I think that is Worm. <laughs> that is what yeah. Worm was. Right. Because it gets even more, you know, uh, gray from here, I guess I have to say, because point me at this guy gives her her answer which boils down to she did some bad stuff she did some good stuff region uh and some controversial stuff which is basically you know we've got worm.txt <laughs> um and point me at this guy says 
that yeah, Taylor uh, d- did do something really, really important, and now she's gone, uh, which is which is a, a really nice acknowledgement, I, I think. Yeah. Um, and and then she, and then finishes. She was all those things, and she's she might have still been a better person than you. Burn. Uh, and then goes on. Uh, maybe things would be better. Maybe they would be worse. Maybe someone else would have taken the same role. Maybe we would all be dead. You might not ever get a clear answer, clean answer, and that might be her justice against you, uh, which is fantastic. Oh, it's I, so good. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's everything, right? That's yeah. everything we wrestled with throughout Worm. It's like there's no way of knowing. Like, yeah. What Taylor? What when Taylor became Kepri and did all these things? She did some horrible, horrible things, and we have no way of knowing whether that choice made things worse, whether that choice made things better, whether everyone would be dead, whether they would be alive, whether something else would have happened. We have no way of knowing, and we will never know. But yep. like, and, and you just have to live in that ambiguity because you're not going to get that answer. You're just not going to get it. Right, and that's that's how it's designed. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So point me at this guy doesn't believe and forgive and forget, which which, again, is interesting in context of the amnesty and harkens right back to the beginning of this of this prelude. Yep. Um, and in the end, guilt, forgiveness, absolution, it's all a mess, but at least we can try to make sure things are moving in the right direction. That's the sentiment that this ends on. Yeah. And I, and I like this a lot because, again, the, the, this is tying up everything I think we were talking about throughout this whole uh, prologue is the idea of forgive and forget the idea of uh, starting fresh moving away from the past or 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 living in the past or being obsessed with your past grievances and angers and and failures and i think i think what point me at the sky represents here is a middle ground between those two extremes that don't forgive and forget live with your mistakes and live with the mistakes that happen to you but learn from them don't just don't just exist in them learn from them and and i think that's a very interesting place to to start the book on because we we are at a place where we're at we're at kind of a crossroads in the world what's going to happen next things are going to get worse violence is going to come back and whether or not we can get past that whether we can survive it depends on if we learn from our mistakes but don't live in them and i i love that it's a perfect way of capping off worm it's a perfect bridge to this new story it's just this whole conversation was just wonderful yeah and i've loved every one of these uh prelude chapters but this one um was I found to be very emotionally impactful. And I, and I know for a fact, a lot of people on Reddit were saying the same thing that like, this almost felt like a kind of closure to worm that we didn't get at the end of worm. And I, and I, I think I wrote a comment to this effect, but like, I, I don't think we should have gotten this type of closure at the end of worm. I think, I think, I, I think the idea of maybe one day I'll be okay was the exact note that that story needed to end on. And this story is is giving us a, an entirely different kind of closure of saying, yeah, the world, you know, because basically, point me at the sky represents like a cape. We don't know who she is. She's 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 a knowledgeable cape, mm-hmm. and she's saying, um, yeah, um, Taylor did a lot of good, a lot of bad. 
we acknowledge her role in all these things and we we acknowledge that she probably did something really important and that's it's just it's just nice to know that the other characters in this world acknowledge and appreciate whatever that means appreciate who taylor was and what she was just, trying trying to do yeah appreciate the 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 grayness of it that the the, yeah. the ambiguity of it that they understand it's not like and i think it's very smart to do that from, like again i'm 95 percent convinced this is our protagonist it just seems so thematically fitting that this is the person we end on and started on in this prologue but it so it makes sense that our protagonist of all people has a appreciation of the nuances of what Taylor went through because I don't think it would be very satisfying to go through the journey that is worm and then have your main character of this story be like completely um, on one side of it, like completely convinced that either Taylor was a monster and evil and wrong or that Taylor was a saint that someone that appreciates, appreciates the complicated nature of it is much more interesting from a character perspective. Yeah, and I also feel like it would be a bit of a rejection of the themes of Worm Absolutely. To, to have a character come down too hard on one side of that fence. Absolutely, uh, especially yeah. if it's the point of view character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so that's great. I, I like, I love if you look at the names. Like Wild Bill loves names. You look at Worm. You look at the 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 first the first arc of Ward is called Daybreak, and here in the middle you have Glowworm, which is literally bridging the gap between those two things you have the the insect theme titles of the old book and what's what is seemingly like the the sun or uh light themed titles of the new book and you hear have this prologue that literally bridges those two with glowworm and that's great because that's what this that's what this whole prologue did it bridged that gap and and we're here now yeah um glowworms are also kind of creepy animals that um hunt uh using their their like phosphorescent lure so uh that's that's a nice connotation to have there yeah hmm. i mean i mean i think that's intentional because you have all these people in the forums who are behaving in sort of duplicitous ways but yeah, yeah anyway. you're right you're right all right um so so uh do you want to take a stab scott at a who this could be i mean it's it's almost not fair because like there's there's so many things that i have that other people didn't have and once you figure out who the protagonist is as i i'm pretty sure i have uh our wonderful cover art image becomes super obvious <laughs> like very obvious don't know what you're talking about well it's what do we have to even <laughs> pretend it's glory girl the protagonist <laughs> is glory girl like you look at the picture of her it's a young girl who is in brockton bay um who presumably can fly because their handle is pointing at the sky that seems like something that would indicate that they could fly um they had a short temper and they got pissed off at someone for acting inappropriately um they the the picture we have of this protagonist is someone whose reflection has a bunch of creepy hands because she was blob version of of glory girl um so i mean the only reason this makes sense for me is if we're assuming that Amy finally finished healing her at the end of the the book, which if you look at the epilogue, they were next to each other. Taylor set uh, Amy down next to Glory Blob. And so that that's that. I mean, 
it's not fair because I got a lot more hints than anyone else had, but I'm like 90, 90% sure. Okay. All right. I and, hope we'll uh, find out soon. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> and, and that's all we got for you this week on We've Got Ward. Remember that we appreciate your feedback and we're always trying to improve. So let us know if you have any advice, questions, or thoughts on this week's episode. Once we catch up with the live published chapters of Ward, audience interaction and discussion will become a slightly larger part of our show. So keep those wonderful thoughts and insights coming. We love them. Yeah, you can reach out to us via email at gotwormpod at gmail.com. Uh, these are not going to change, guys, because it's, it's too much of a pain. Uh, or on Twitter at gotwormpod. Um, my personal Twitter is at scottdaily85, and Matt's is moredinaglowworm. Um, I will, I will be continuing our live tweet of my reading of Ward as, as we play catch up. I don't know what we're going to do once we actually catch up because like, I'm probably going to be reading the chapters as soon as they come out. So I don't know how we would do a a live tweet at that point, but, um, we're going to do it while we're playing catch up. So if you want to see my reading of arc one and arc two and possibly arc three of, of Ward, go ahead and follow us on, uh, on, on the Twitter. Yeah, and if you're not already subscribed to We've Got War, we strongly recommend you do so and never miss an episode. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else in the world you can listen to podcasts. Although, uh, whether it'll be called We've Got Ward or We've Got Worm depends on the platform. Yeah. We'll figure it, we'll figure it out. We've, we've changed the name on our, our central hosting platform. Um, we've got to change it other places. So search for We've Got Worm. <laughs> for the direct future if you're not already subscribed um it, it might change yeah. at some point but um yeah you can search i'm pretty sure you can search for daily planet and you'll see all of our shows because we list ourselves as the author of the other show as well so that way you can find it for sure but we are trying to get the name changed because it seems it seems like it should yeah but as always, uh, you can find this, all the other podcasts we do, and all of our writing, essays, film, and TV criticism, and more at dailyplanetfilms.com. Over on the main podcasting feed this week, we closed the book on 2017, and we all listed our top five favorite films, and then we handed out some wonderful fake awards. It was just a ton of fun. Um, we've got that and a ton of other great shows, so, so go head on over to the website and check them all out. We think you're really going to like them. That's right, Scott. And if you like any of these shows and want to support them, consider donating to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash dailyplanetfilms with D-A-L-Y. Consider donating a dollar a month or whatever else you can afford. Special thanks to New Planeteers, um, Elliot at the $2 level and Eli, Henry, Ifrian, and Ben all at the $1 level. And to New Captain Planet, Frustrated Free Buddha, who has upgraded to the $10 level. Also, speaking of Patreon, make sure you stop by Wildo's page and toss some money there because he's the guy that is writing Ward and making this all possible. He's writing it probably as we speak. Like right now, he's clicking probably. he's clicking keys. I don't know. I just clicked my keys and lost my spot on the script. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you can't afford to pledge right now, that's okay. You can head on over to your local message board and just post about We've Got Ward until you get banned. <laughs> or... 
you can head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and, and review. I understand we're in this kind of weird transition period between old show format and new show format while we scramble to catch up to Ward. So it's it's kind of a weird time to be reviewing the show. But if you still like what we're doing here, even if it's it's this weird show, consider giving us five stars and and read and leaving us a review. We we'd like to read those out loud, whether they're good or not. Um, fortunately, they've been they've been pretty positive so far. But if you have if you have some negative stuff to say, say it. I mean it'll hurt my feelings but we want you to be honest yeah yeah i mean i mean we'll be we'll be crushed but but we, we value honesty yeah, i mean I'll, really. I'll probably like stare at my screen as long as um as long as heart-shaped people did yeah and then delete you idle. and then delete you from the world so yeah, yeah. that might actually right. won't happen but no we're, we're, we're kidding all right that's it for the show this week next week scott and i will be discussing all of ward arc one daybreak it's the dawning of a dude, new day, Matt. A new story, new characters, new conflict, new themes, and I cannot wait. See you then. Yeah.